Hello, my name is Greta Harrison. Welcome to Born Fabulous Podcast, Episode 23 of Season 2. The theme of this season is changing the world one friendship at a time. You will hear interviews with best friends. One person happens to have a disability and the other does not. This episode is the last of an eight-part interview with Micah Fialka-Feldman and his best friend, Tori Cedar. Micah Fialka-Feldman is well-known as one of the stars of Dan Habib's acclaimed movie, Intelligent Lives. He is a teaching assistant at Syracuse University, a keynote speaker, and an author. Micah's best friend, Tori Cedar, is a graduate student working on her doctorate. She and Micah have been best friends for about six years. Tori does not have a disability. In this episode, Micah and Tori discuss some civil rights issues for people with disabilities. Please enjoy this short clip of Love is a Potion. The lyrics are by Melissa Riggio, who was the focus of episodes one through four in season one. The music and voice are by Rachel Fuller. talk about Micah you say a lot of profound things you really do and I came across this quote by you and I want to read it and then I want to get the input from both of you about this quote I came home one day in first grade and I told my parents I wanted to go through the same door as all the other students at a school I was in As a student with a disability, the school had me going through a different door every morning to special education classes. I told my parents I wanted to be with my friends and peers. My parents advocated to make sure that I was included in school, and they worked with my teachers and the school to make sure I had an inclusive experience in school all the way to high school graduation. Because of this, I've been included my entire life. I was included in school with taking regular classes. I participated in running cross country and having a circle of friends. Micah, I just love that quote so much because as a parent, I can tell you 99% of parents out here who are going through this inclusion journey will say a lot of it has come from us. But this one, not that our kids haven't wanted that and been all along and supporting it, but when you're in first grade, that's a pretty young age. So for you to advocate for yourself in first grade, it's pretty amazing. So give us your feedback about that. Like, like, like I, think, I think I knew that I wanted to go in the same door as my friends after I came home and said, oh, can I go in the door as all my friends and... And probably my parents, when I told them, I said, oh, uh oh, we have to go and talk to the school. And like, like I, they probably like knew that I wanted to go with my friends and not like, like go through a, go through like the door with all the people with, with, with like um, disabilities and stuff. Okay. 
I just think it's it's so important because that got you to where you are today. Yeah, and and I think from that to and 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 in the movie when I like say that I was I was I I talk about how like my parents didn't tell me that I had a forty IQ. I I like I, I got a letter in the mail because I wanted to get services when I moved to Syracuse and and like I was tested in eleven but. My parents never told me I, and at that age, if they would have told me, I probably would have known what that meant. So, but I was glad they didn't tell me because I wouldn't have, I probably wouldn't have known what a 40 IQ is then, but now. Micah, that was a very powerful point in the movie that a lot of people talk about. Because first of all, as your friend Tori so graciously said in the interview, the IQ means nothing. That score means nothing. Isn't that what you said? And um, we all know everybody, like when we have panel discussions and hundreds of panel discussions have happened with intelligent lives across the country. So audience, if you haven't seen the movie, you have to see the movie. It's a masterpiece. But in the panel discussion, that point always comes up that it's obvious that score means nothing because what they say an IQ 40 does is obviously not matching you, or you wouldn't be able to look up that information and do all the million things that you've done. So the fact that you even say that and talk about it, it's important. And I want those school psychologists out there who are maybe not as advanced as Tori is going to be when she graduates and gets into the world to rethink the way you talk at the tables when you're at IEP meetings and professional development and talking with your peers because Micah's we know his IQ is not 40 a and B we know that score means nothing. So yeah, that I'm glad you brought that up. That's really cool. Tori, I'm sh- I know you have input here. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, it's, it's, it's something that for me, it's, it's hard to, um, in this profession, it's, it's hard to, to learn about it. Um, learn about, we use the WISC four or five. That's what's used now in schools. Um, and it's hard. A lot of times we have conversations on, um, okay, we, we know that it's not doing a great job of, of telling us a lot of things, right? Obviously we know that. And then the flip side of that is like, okay, this person needs funding and accommodations. And I think like the system is just backwards. Like a lot of the time school need that number to get the accommodations and the funding for the student. And that's what's so hard. Cause I know in my heart of hearts, like that, that score isn't going to, isn't going to make me think about this person any certain way, because what that score tells us is that Micah's is super, 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 super below the quote unquote average, right? That 40 IQ. Um, and, but clearly (laughs) he's not. (laughs) So having Micah as a very, very close friend going into this program, um, and a lot of, you know, people that are in the realm that I am in, in my program feel similarly that IQ testing is not a great way of telling us any much of really not, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't give us a lot of information at all. And I, I'm not a fan of them whatsoever. <laughs> so it's hard. It's definitely hard being in this profession. Um, but I think that as we just, I think what's, what's larger than 
for me, what's more important is changing, like you were just saying, changing the language that we use at IEP meetings. If a school, if a district um, requires the, uh, uh, that score, um, along with, obviously, it's not just that score. There's a lot of things that go into um, evaluating students. Um, but if they need that score for accommodations and for funding for um, that family and that student, um, then that obviously is what you need to do. However, the language that needs to change um, when we're sitting down at those meetings um, to get the full picture and to, to work with that family and work with that parent and say that, yeah, this is a score here, but I'm not really so concerned about that. What I'm concerned about is you and your, and your student and how we're going to um, make all of our lives the most successful going forward in this district. Um, and for me, that's what's, is, is what is important if, if I have to do those things, but I really hope I don't. Have to. <laughs> well, it's, it's important. It's important that you're bringing this up because every day younger parents are sitting at the table and it's usually around third grade that they get determinations. You've got this IQ score, so we're going to put you on a self-contained track and you're not going to have a chance for a diploma or any kind of real education. And a lot of parents give up on their kids. Yeah. I'm going to say that they give up on their kids and they do it because they have no encouragement and they think they do believe that score. So you're yeah. showing not to believe that score. When I say parents give up on their kids, I don't want to put the whole blame. It's almost like the whole team gives up on some children. Yeah. Yeah. And it is like, like, I'm not sure if I, I, I like your IEPs that mine, I brought friends to my IEPs that shared ideas that most, most people, when, when people hear that, they say, oh, okay, I'll bring, most, most times the IEPs, they just have the social worker, the teacher, sometimes they have the person with the disability, but sometimes they, they like, uh, the teacher, sometimes, uh, sometimes other school, sometimes, uh, uh, sometimes they don't invite them. Yeah. I think it's after the age of, I want to say 13, it's an option for the student to come. You probably know better than I do. I, I'm in uh, elementary school, so our students don't come. Um, the, for the ones that I've seen, that I've you know sat in and observed. Um, but it, it, I think it's 13 that they're uh, allowed to. I don't know if the student, if the if they invite every single student or the student yeah. has to like advocate for themselves at that age, I'm not sure, but I think it's after that age that they're technically um, allowed to be in the meeting. Well, I can tell you in Virginia transition starts at 14. Okay. So in yeah. Virginia at 14 is when they start, as you were saying in air quotes, inviting them to come, but they can come at any age. Okay, and there are students who come in elementary school and come at younger ages. And my daughter did go to some of hers at younger ages. So um, I think it varies. But yeah, you brought up a great point, Micah, about bringing friends. And I have heard that before from a few other people where the student brings friends. Yeah. And that really says a lot at the table, too, especially when it comes to inclusion. Yeah. So, cool. Yeah. And that shows how you have had a circle of support since third grade, right? <laughs> yeah. That is so cool. Well, when we're talking about going in the different door, um, that is a bigger issue than just going in a door. 
because really what it symbolizes is these people, and I go back to that quote that you had when you said, we versus that we not they yes and and when they go in when people go in a different door it's that entity saying these people are different these people go here and then the rest of that entity whether it's a school or whatever it is they don't see those people and i can tell you at my daughter's school they use a different door and i hate to say the word they i will say many students with significant disabilities use a different door. And I didn't even know that until last year. My daughter's a senior. I happened to see it by accident. She's always gone in the regular door. She's always been in regular classes, but the majority go in a different door. And I sit there and think, what would it be like if we had, I can say this, I'm Hispanic. If we had Hispanic people going in a different door, if we had gay people going in a different door, if we had black people going in a different door. I mean, it is back to that civil rights issue. Um, and, it, and, and we don't even know it. Our well-meaning educators and school board members and leaders across the country don't look at it that way. So that's what it, it hit the nail on the head. It really like it, it is the, I don't know, like lack of exposure, but because they are, well, a lot of most of, I don't, don't want to say all, but most are well-intentioned and want, you know, every student in that school to be successful, to get, I mean, and again, it's not everyone in some, there are some people in administration that aren't really, you know, well, I know we have all had our issues, but, um, but I think a lot of the time it, it's, it, it, it takes, you know, agents of change like ourselves um, and what we're trying to be and we'll continue to be to expose and to better educate. And I'm not saying we're going to change everyone's minds. Um, And sometimes, you know, when you have to pull away. Um, But I think you're right. A lot of the times they are well-intentioned. They just don't know. It just, it's just something that hasn't been spoken about or brought up or, and that's what's so difficult. And Micah, how does that make you feel that my daughter is basically 15 years younger than you and it's still happening? Mm, it's like, uh, like uh, that, that means you have to do like more work and, and keep working. <laughs> work doesn't stop. No. <laughs> it's very slow progress, but it is, but we are making, but people are making progress. So we yeah. have to remember that. And the movie Intelligent Lives definitely shows that, doesn't it? Yeah. I think that's what's so great about it. Okay. Do you have any final thoughts on what we just talked about? Um, no, I can't think of any. Or anything that you wanted to say yesterday that you didn't. Because this is your last chance. <laughs> um, I just think it's a great way to have a broadcast about friendship and share with people about how like friends can be friends and how to like, how to like talk about friendship and how to like share with things about friends. And thank you so much for saying that Micah and for both of you sharing that, that viewpoint, because it means a lot. But I want to tell you that yesterday when my daughter got home, I talked about your interview and I showed her Amanda's letter And she went upstairs and texted two people and asked them what their highs and lows were for the week. 
So we're going to start doing that and, you know, start taking these things to the next level because it dawned on me, duh, she's doing that in her drama class. Why isn't she extending that out to her, her everyday life? So what you're doing, I'm just hoping that a lot more people will pick up on some of those tips that you naturally know, Micah, that you naturally do. Um, I think you're going to help a lot of people. And so, all right. Well, thank you guys. I appreciate it. And thank you so, so much. Thank you for listening to Born Fabulous Podcast's 23rd and last episode of season two. I hope you enjoyed it. If you would like to see this or any other episode of season two, they are available on YouTube and on bornfabulouspodcast.com. The friendships between Micah and Tori, Kayla and Rachel, Sean M. and Sean C., and Tim and Ashton are a joy to see as well as hear. To see some photos and videos of Micah and Tori or anyone in Season 2 or Season 1, or to sign up for our email list, please go to www.bornfabulouspodcast.com. Please like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, find us on Twitter at Podcast Born, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're also on Pinterest. I'd be honored if you would leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Now, please enjoy this clip of Love is a Potion. The lyrics are by Melissa Riggio, who was the focus of episodes one through four in season one. The music and voice are by Rachel Fuller. Love.